May our hearts be greeted with greetings of grace and mercy and peace. From God, our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For a text this morning, I thought I would turn to the Gospel of Luke. I'll read the the second chapter. I'll read starting at the 21st verse, and I will read through the 40th verse, Luke 2, 21, reading in Jesus' name. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. (coughs) And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. <clears throat> and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phernal, of the tribe of Asser, who was of great age and had lived <clears throat> with a husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayer night and day. And she came in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Amen. This speaks of happenings after the birth of Jesus. We know that God had laid out his law to Moses for the Jews to follow. We also know that Christ came and walked in perfection according to that law. And so we see here even 
these things. It tells us in the Old Testament and well, in a couple places in the law, it says that a baby boy was to be circumcised on the eighth day. And then it tells us that the mother was to be considered unclean for seven days. And then on the eighth day, and it's obviously not just trivia because it's recorded in the Bible. And then after 33 days, he was to be taken to the temple. And he was, as the first son born, he was to be presented to God and to be God. We know that Jesus was that. So 33 days it would be. They came after the purification of Mary according to the law. And they brought him and presented him to the Lord in the temple. I got sidetracked what I was saying about it's just a side note because I don't want to call it trivial but for whatever reason if someone has any insight into it please share it it tells us in the same place where it records that <clears throat> it's eight or seven days and then 33 days and if it's a girl child it's 14 days and 66 days and just why that is I don't claim to have any understanding, but it's how God had laid it out. So Mary and Joseph, they come to Jerusalem. It says they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. I think it is something maybe to note here. This happened eight days and then a month after he was born in Bethlehem. Obviously, Simeon had been revealed by the Spirit, and and Anna knew this as we will look into as we go through our text. And yet, as I read on Christmas Day, and obviously these things are recorded not exactly in chronological order because it speaks of the coming we spoke about the coming of the wise men. It obviously had to happen after this period where they came into the temple. And so if they would have been paying attention, anyone other than perhaps Simeon and Anna, Herod would have had his opportunity right then to deal with this baby that was born. And it's, I don't even know what category to put it in. But it tells us, Jesus says, we are encouraged to be watchful. And it's, he says, blessed is his servant who is watching when he returns. We live in a time where there is many things that are happening that Appear to line up with scripture. We know that in the Bible they talked about it being the end times and, and they were talking about, excuse me, about living in the end times and they were men who lived within a few years of the death of Christ. They were alive and talking about that. 
So putting it into the perspective of time, it seems like we've lived, we're living a long time after that. But in the perspective of God, we are living in the end times. And we're living, I believe, very close to the end of time. And we see these things happening around us. And I don't know, I would pray that each of us would have a heart that is attentive to the leading of the Spirit as how it is that I should handle these things. And I guess the context that my mind is saying these in is the other day, I don't know, I went to town or something and I had the radio on, and it was it's just a constant, maybe I should listen to a different station, but anyway, it was just a constant barrage of the bad things that are going on in the world. COVID problems, government problems, on and on and on. And, and it can get disheartening. And my mind says that I don't want to sit in Gimlet where it really doesn't affect and know nothing about what's going on. I don't know that that's right. And yet, to take so much of it in that we feel discouraged and disheartened, I don't think that that's good either. And I pray that God could give each of us the wisdom and the heart to walk in such a way that we know that it doesn't really matter as long as we know who our Savior is and that he knows us as his child. And yet we do not live in a bubble. Even we read about these men in the Old Testament that are recorded for us. And they talked about, and even Christ, he talked and dealt with the Pharisees, with the Sadducees, which the, with the rulers of the temple. He dealt with Pontius Pilate, Joseph dealt with Pharaoh. Moses dealt with Pharaoh. We deal with this natural world around us. And I don't think we need to worry about it because there's a promise given to us. Jesus tells them that, and this is speaking about the end times, which I believe we live in. I don't know how I'm getting here from our text, but pray we'll speak what's right. But he talks that they will be brought before rulers and kings for Christ's name, that we will be, that will happen to us. And he says, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. And he says, settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what ye shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. That's a big promise for us as Christians. Because my mind would say, well, it's good that we look into these things so we could know to answer if we have to deal with these things. No, we don't. The Spirit of God knows in perfection. If we are watching and attentive to that Spirit, we can walk rightly. It isn't something that we need to worry about. I think we need to worry about this natural flesh that wants to get on any kind of tangent that it can instead of focusing on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
But I do have to say, it strikes my heart as interesting how it is that God works. We know from the story of the wise men that Herod decided he was going to kill this baby. And he went to the extreme of killing everyone under two years old in the Bethlehem area, all the baby boys. And yet God, in accomplishing his will, or I shouldn't say, well, it was his will, but accomplishing his word, that Christ would live a life that was in complete agreement and compliance with the law that he had laid out. He has them, he has him, he's circumcised, and he is presented to God in the temple at 33 days old. And they brought him, and they did everything that was laid out in that Old Testament law. And I don't think that, uh, well, I should say, I think the Jews at that time, they were probably, most of them were quite well aware of what the law said. But Mary and Joseph, they were not theologians. They were just people. And I think it would point to us that as just simple people, we don't have to worry that we would be great theologians, but it is good to look into God's word. In our position in life, no matter what it is, whether it is a child or a teenager or a parent or a grandparent or a whatever it is, it is good if we look into the word and see how it, God applies it to our heart. What is it that God's word would lay out to help me walk according to his will? We're not going to walk perfectly. But with the righteousness of Christ, we are perfect. They brought a sacrifice as a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And it's according to the law. But it also tells us something else. I believe it tells us the status of Mary and Joseph. They knew that this was the Son of God. And I'm sure any one of us as believers, if we put ourselves in their shoes, it would be our heart's desire that we would do the best that we could for this child according to God's law that we're following. The Bible in the Old Testament where it lays out that, how you would come and present the sacrifice, it says that you are to bring a lamb. Or if you're unable because you're poor, then you would bring either two turtle doves or two pigeons. I believe that this tells us that Mary and Joseph, they were not rich people. They were just poor, humble people who God used to accomplish the bringing of his greatest gift that he's given to man into this world. And I think it behooves all of us. We don't have to be someone special or spectacular or rich or well-known. If we are simple, simple Christian, it doesn't matter if we're on the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak. God can still use us 
he can still use us to accomplish wonderful, miraculous things. And we can do it simply by walking meekly in his will and following his word. I, I don't exactly know why it is. God sometimes does things fairly spectacular and that you can see them. But it seems especially in New Testament times and maybe even more so in our times, he works very quietly. And he accomplishes great things very quietly. I mean, yes, it is well known and there's things about it, how much Jesus in his short life affected the world. And I don't think even lots of people who write about that talking, most of the time they're talking in more natural senses. And it's true. But if, as Christians, we look at the bigger picture of what he accomplished spiritually and what he accomplished for mankind and for our salvation, it's even overwhelmingly big. But it started, his start in this world was with a poor, humble couple from Galilee that came to pay their taxes in Bethlehem. Something that seems very day-to-day and just things that we do in this life. And I don't want to take some of these things too far, but we're encouraged to give tribute to whose tribute is due and honor to whose honor is due. And we can balk at something as simple as taxes and be annoyed about them. But God's will was accomplished by Mary and Joseph just simply traveling to pay their taxes like they were instructed to. God can use the most simple thing to accomplish his will. And I'm sure if any of us who have lived very long look back on our lives, especially the Spirit would reveal some of these things, we could know that, yes, God has done that in our life also. He didn't quit working with Mary and Joseph. It says, the hand of the Lord is not shortened. It says, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout. He wasn't just any man, this Simeon. Yes, if he was walking down the street with a bunch of people, he probably looked just like any one of the other men that would be walking down the street there. But there was something different about him from a lot of the people. It says he was just and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. In the eyes of God, he was a special person. Simply because he was a child of God and he believed God. If I put it this way, it wasn't that he just believed in God. He believed God. And that is one of those things that 
maybe all of you have heard me say this before, but in my it's a big difference between those two things. And I, I have told some people at times that that is how is maybe we should be careful when we ask people a question. If we would ask them, do you believe in God? Or maybe we should ask them two questions. We can ask someone, do you believe in God? And most of the time, people will answer yes. I mean, there's some people who claim to be atheists or whatever that they would say, no, they don't believe in God. But even people who are not Christians, whether they be Muslims or whatever, they believe in God. But do you believe God? And if you believe God, then are you walking according to what his word says? And is it your heart's desire to live according to God's instruction to us? We can believe in God and just he's some being off there someplace. But if we believe God, we can look into his word and find that the creator of this universe desires to dwell in my heart. He desires that the sin that we are would be covered by the blood of Christ who he sent to accomplish it. If we believe God, we understand that there is a place of repentance and forgiveness that is available. And those things can be washed away in the blood of Christ and we can have his righteousness because as we talked about here, down to the smallest detail, he walked perfectly. And he didn't do it just I say that? He did it for us. Yes, he did it for God because that was God's will. But he did it to accomplish our salvation. And if we believe God, we know that that's true. And we know that we are sinners if we believe God. I pray that as people, we would be as the Simeon is here, that we would not be just a good person that would blend in with everyone else in the eyes of God. But when God looks down, no matter how much we looked like everyone else that we were walking on the street with, he would see us as a child of God, as his child. Perfect because of what Christ had done. And this man, Simeon, he would, had been given a very special gift, you say. Said, And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. It didn't just come out of thin air or something that his mind conjured up. No, it was a revelation of the Spirit of God. It said that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. That's a big promise when you think about it to this man. I don't know exactly the time frame between Adam and Eve when that first promise was first made to when Simeon would have received that message that in your lifetime you will see this. 
There's thousands of years that have passed. And God picked Simeon to be the one person who got a special revelation that he in his lifetime, and I don't know how long he lived with that knowledge. Sometimes we can live with a knowledge of something for many years. We can think of Abraham and Sarah. That promise was given to them that Isaac was going to be born. And they lived with that for many years. And they even decided that it had gone on long enough that they were going to help God accomplish it. And Hagar comes into the scene and has Ishmael with Isaac. Or sorry, with Abraham. God still fulfilled his promise of sending Isaac. But it was many years in their lifetime. And yet that's just a short, short period between when God first gave that to when Simeon received that knowledge. I pray as Christians, if God reveals to our hearts something like, maybe not as earth-shattering as this, or maybe it is, that we could have a heart to use it wisely and a heart to do what God would instruct us to do with that knowledge that he gives us. And maybe the most important thing is in reality if he puts it on our heart or that he does put it on our heart, that gospel message that I am and every other living Christian is saved by the blood of Christ covering their sins and faith in that knowledge that God would put that in our hearts that we could walk and be quick to share that message if there is anyone seeking to hear it and that we could walk even when things are troubling or disheartening with joy and freedom, knowing that that is for me. No matter what the world may put in front of us, salvation is mine through Christ. He said, And then he came by the Spirit into the temple. He didn't just happen to come in there that day. The Spirit directed him. And this is something that the Bible doesn't tell us. We don't know whether it happened to be that morning that the Spirit spoke to his heart and said, go to the temple today because that baby's going to be there. Or whether it was just that the Spirit worked in his life that he went there and was there when Jesus came with Mary and Joseph. I don't know. But we see that it wasn't just a happenstance. And I I have to say that I struggle in my own head and I've had discussions with some people. What in the life of a Christian is just happenstance and what does God orchestrate? I don't I can't say that I claim to know. I think there's probably things that 
we would say is just happenstance or circumstance that God has very much put in order, and maybe the other way around also. But when God has decided that Simeon and Jesus were going to be in the temple at the same time, it happened. And I can tell stories of ministers have said how there have been circumstances where they've been well, sometimes on mission trips or sometimes just on a day-to-day happening in their life where it was very, very clear that God had arranged for them to be right there at exactly that time so that because there was someone who needed to hear about Jesus. I don't think we have to worry about it. If God decides that we're going to be here at this time, we will be there. And if you don't think that that's so, just read the story of Jonah. Jonah was absolutely going to go to the far end of the Mediterranean Ocean, away from even the shore to where God wanted him the other way. But he was in Nineveh when God wanted him there. And we know that story. I don't think we have to worry about it. But I have to admit, knowing my stubborn nature, there's been times where I've had to pray that, God, please kick me where you want me if I'm balking too much. I have to say it. This is just me. <laughs> it's almost scary to say that, but it's even scarier to not be in the will of God. Simeon is given... This understanding. <clears throat> it says, um, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, As a Christian person, if we had the understanding given to us in these circumstances that Simeon had been given. To me, it would, I mean, Bridget just had her little one. There's a number of little ones here. Just to take them and hold them. They're just another natural person. And it's almost overwhelming sometimes. God has made a new life and a new living soul. And we are holding it. It's a miracle that man can't begin to accomplish. And then on top of that, if you know, I'm holding my salvation. I'm holding the promise that God has given to mankind from beginning to end. The fulfillment of it in my arms. I can believe that he blessed God. He said, Lord... Now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. If we had that promise and knew God has promised this, I'm seeing it fulfilled. I'm sure it would be, you could die in peace. People talk about all sorts of things in this world that I would die in peace knowing this or knowing that or whatever it is, having accomplished this. I don't think in natural senses it's really true. 
There's never enough that our natural flesh can accomplish that it would die in peace. But if we have experienced and held our salvation, we could die in peace knowing our eternity is in place. Our salvation is in place. We in reality, other than physically doing it, are no different than Simeon. We can see and feel and believe that same Christ child and that same salvation accomplished. It's the privilege we have. We can die in peace according to God's word. which thou hast prepared before the face of all people to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. I find it very, very interesting how the order of that is put in place. We know that God, in his knowledge, beginning at Adam, and, and I can't remember which one's here in Luke, but There's one in Luke and one in Matthew where it goes through the genealogy down to Christ. And the one goes back to Adam. Right from Adam to when Jesus was born, God had picked out the lineage and those people that this was going to be accomplished in. And the Jews were a special people because God used them to bring this Christ child. But it isn't that they are any better than anybody else. In fact, in some ways, it almost seems to have been a curse on them because it's caused them a lot of grief because they haven't been obedient. And it seems that when you know something to be true and don't follow it, it causes more problems than if you don't know it at all and don't follow it. And yes, they are special people in God's eyes. But here, when it's when Simeon is saying that to lighten a light to lighten the Gentiles, it is to everybody. It isn't something that just came to the Jews and a little bit rubbed off on people around. Christ came and died for all people. And here we see it. We can look at the story of Peter and Cornelius. It was revealed to Peter very clearly that this message was to go to the Gentiles also. And we know of the books in the New Testament, the man who wrote most of them, yes, he was a Jewish man, but God give him that he would go and speak to the Gentiles. We can be sure it is for us. We're Gentiles. We're not Jews, naturally. Yes, spiritually we are. By faith, we are the children of Abraham. But anybody who will put their faith in Christ can be a child of Abraham. Because you're a child of God. And this message that this Christ child, of what he is and what he accomplished, is for you. It says, a light to lighten, and the glory of thy people Israel. It was Israel that was 
in the position to glorify God and to show light to the world around us, round it. That is us too. That we would glorify God, that the light of Christ would shine and show to those around, that they could see how to walk and see to be drawn to God. <clears throat> it says, and Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the falling and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. And we only have to read just this gospel to the end to see a lot of this being fulfilled. There was many in Israel that rejected him, and there was many that believed in him. And that Christian sect, in, in the end of Acts, I believe it tells us, that it was spoken against everywhere. If I can turn to it here. It says, this is the end of Acts, the 22nd verse. It says, But we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest, for as concerning this sect, speaking of Christians, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. <clears throat> If as Christians, our beliefs and teachings and faith is spoken against today, I don't think we should be surprised. It hasn't been any different right from the beginning. It's just how it is. God put it upon or in or the Spirit revealed that message to Simeon that he shared it even with Mary and Joseph, that this is what's going to happen. Christ was not going to bring natural unity and peace in this world. He says himself that I will bring division. Not division in the living church, but division among believers and non-believers. And the devil wants to try and put that division even within believers just. I pray that we could walk according to God's will. That there could be Unity, unity of the Spirit among his children. It says, Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This word of God that Christ spoke, it would have to, it was for Mary also. She, we hear teachings that Mary was somebody special, that she was all these things. No, she was just a lady. Yes, she was blessed of God and chosen of God, but it was only through this child that she brought into this world and what he accomplished that she was saved. And that message would pierce her own soul. It says that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I don't know exactly what's that saying, but I think that perhaps one of the things that it's saying is that there are those that I already said would want to put Mary on some kind of pedestal and say that she had a free ticket because she brought Christ into this world. 
And those thoughts are wrong. And they're revealed in the fact of what simply, what even Simeon says here, that no, it is simply because the word of God through Christ Jesus pierced her heart and saved her soul. Christ saved her soul, not because she gave birth to him, but because he died on the cross for her also. And yes, she was used in a marvelous and special way. But each of us was saved in a marvelous and special way through what Christ did. <clears throat> it says that there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phineal, of the tribe of Asher, and she was of great age and lived and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayer night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. I don't know perhaps why it is, but I see one thing here. We see all walks of life in the natural life cycle here. We see a baby, we see a young couple, we see a man, we see an older lady who is a widow. They were all there where Christ was. And it brought joy to all those who believed who he was. And I guess even more than Simeon, perhaps this account here of Anna gives me to think of the blindness that there must have been with the priests and Pharisees and all them. Because it says that she was in the temple night and day. It wasn't something that she would just came in there once in a while. Simeon, it says that he was came in there. I don't know. I'm sure he came there often, but he wasn't there constantly. But this lady was there constantly in the temple. And it says that she spoke to all them who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Anybody that was coming to look for salvation, she spoke about this baby who had been born there, or who had been born and brought there to be presented to God. And I believe, just using natural reasoning, it would seem that it was after this time that the wise men came. And they were sent to Jerusalem. And none of the scribes or Pharisees or priests seemed to have any great interest in this Christ child. To go and seek him out for themselves. I believe it is how it is when there is religion and not faith. When we start following rules and pomp and ceremony and being good enough and doing the right thing, it can blind us to Christ. It can blind us to simply 
salvation through faith. I pray that we would be given clarity on those things, that this light that Simeon spoke of there would shine into our hearts and reveal that there is no way of making it to heaven by being good enough or doing enough or being spectacular enough. It is simply by believing in what Christ has done. This widow lady, this old widow lady was given to see her salvation also. And it's interesting, she gave thanks also. I don't believe that there is one heart who has come to that understanding of who Christ is for themselves, but there is not thanksgiving. There is thanksgiving because it is the most wonderful thing that we could be part of. It's the most wonderful thing that we can believe. And it is true. And even talking about it here and these happenings that are recorded here by Luke. It isn't just some spiritual story. I mean, it is a story that is dealing with spiritual matters for sure. But this naturally happened. This actually naturally happened. It's part of history. And it happened when God laid it out. And it happened for the good of all of us. It says, And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And maybe this is just for myself, but I read that. And then my mind turns back to Matthew there where I read, and it says that, they um, were in Jerusalem or in Bethlehem, and Joseph was given a dream that he's to take this child and flee into Egypt because Herod wanted to kill him. And it says that he did that. And it tells us that if I can find it here. Um, Can't I read it here instead of I just read it before? Um, here it is. It says, Spock speaking about him going to Egypt and coming back, and it said, And was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. There was a prophecy in the Old Testament that needed to be fulfilled. And I have a hard time saying whether it was needed to be fulfilled or if God knew what was going to happen and so he had him prophesy that it was going to happen. It's That's how it is. But 
when it said here that he returned to Nazareth after, after according, when, when they had performed in all things according to the law of the Lord. This was according to God's law, that this was going to happen, and it did. And I believe that that's part of why I, I have to understand that these things happened before the wise men came, because he obviously was given the dream and he went down to Egypt. But there was that period of time where he was there. And obviously Herod didn't know about him. Obviously, most of the rulers of the temple didn't seem to know about him, even though he had been there, even though Simeon had spoke about him, and even though Anna told about this child to anyone who would listen, it would sound like. I think if we have heard that message of Christ, if it doesn't seem like many people are hearing it or that it, many people are putting much importance on it, even people who we would think should and that would be religious leaders, if they don't seem to see much importance in this gospel message, don't worry about that. We aren't saved by what other people do. Salvation is for each individual. It's an individual thing. We aren't saved by the church we go to or where our parents are or who our parents are or who we associate with. We're saved because we believe. And I think this would give us to understand there's many in this world that the message can be right in front of them and it doesn't seem to be of any use or value or they pay attention. But if this message touches our heart, let's listen to it. This child came there and very few people noticed it. But it was important. It was important for the salvation of all mankind. It may not seem important to many people, but it is our salvation that is important to us individually. And that is what God wants to deal with. He wants to deal with our hearts and our souls. So let's not let our mind get in the way and come up with all sorts of reasons why this might not be something that's important for me. Because it is. It's for our hearts. It's for our undying soul. I pray that God would bring that message of what Christ accomplished fresh to our hearts each and every day. That we could walk with joys at what God has done in spite of how discouraged our natural beings might get. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> We humble our hearts and receive the benediction. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Should we close with 25?